Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So we were in our um, Truth Bomb series, which I was thoroughly enjoying, and I have so many more bombs to share. So we are going to be picking up Truth Bombs again um, after we complete this Dominion series. But we are in our Vision Builders Month, uh, which we are uh, calling Dominion for 2023 and 2024 year. And so I get the honor and the privilege to kick off uh, the Dominion series uh, this year. And can I just tell you, just kind of like brace yourself because some of the things, you know, we're going to be talking about might make you a little bit squirmy, but I am telling you, these are the kind of messages that got John and I through so many difficult times. The level of breakthrough and the miraculous and blessing we live under because it was messages like I'm about to share with you today. So I just want to encourage you to lean in, not lean back. Don't cross your arms like Come on, like let's, this has the ability to change your life, truly. And I am so grateful we talk about these things and we actually dedicate a whole month to this. And um, when I finish my message, I think you'll understand why we feel so passionate about our vision builders. And so the title of my message this morning is Who, What, and Why. And so we are coming to a conclusion on our Vision Builders 2022-2023, which was Surge. And we definitely, I know Pastor Jurgen Leanne, who are our lead pastors over all of our nine campuses, uh, they really felt the word of the Lord to call 2022-2023 Surge, and that's exactly what we did. Um, like Pastor Morgan and Jenny were sharing, that we grew by 50% in our campuses. And God is just on the move, and we are all very excited and a little bit tired, but you know what? It is good. I am loving this. And uh, Pastor Jurgen was joking the other day with our staff, and he's like, you know, he, he was going to, we're calling it Dominion. Yes, we're in Dominion. We're going to take Dominion in the earth. But he's like, I kind of wish the Lord would have told me the word rest. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's too funny. I, yeah, it's, it, you know, but you know what? We are going to continue to take dominion and take Tori back from the devil and put it into the hands of the kingdom where it rightfully belongs. Amen. So Vision Builders is the reason we actually have Bayho Campus. It is the reason when people commit above their tide to give an offering over the course of 12 months that directly goes to help fund uh, buying new buildings and taking territory and planting new churches. So none of us would be able to be in this building today experiencing the love of Jesus, the power of the cross, if we did not have vision builders to plant and, and build Bayho campus. And so vision builders is why we have all nine of our campuses um, in you know San Diego and in Salt Lake City and Boise, Idaho. You know, so it's it's extremely important that we actually take dominion in the earth, and God has called us to do that. You know, this is uh, Pastor John's in my 17th year committing to Vision Builders, our 17th year making a faith commitment. We just finished our surge pledge a little while back, and then we just added a little bit of on top of that, just to stick it to the devil and just to let him know that we are believing for big things. And, and so we finished that and we're really starting to pray over the course of the next few weeks what God would have us commit above our tithe uh, to, to build the kingdom. You know, but committing to a, a vision builder's pledge or a faith commitment to, to advance the kingdom was something that I did well before I came into Awakened Church. You know, at the time I was four years old and um, I had four siblings, so it was five of us, and my mom taught us all at a very early age about tithing and giving offerings. And so I remember at the age of four that I would bring my 10% to the Lord because the Bible says your first 10% belongs to the Lord. So I would get my dollar for allowance and we would separate it out and I would bring my 10 cents every week to the house of God. Now, did my 10 cents change the global church? Uh, probably not. However, it did a lot in me. It changed me. 
It helped me to understand to be obedient to God, to trust God, to be faithful to his word. And I was able to um, have faith to stretch and give, knowing that God was gonna come through for me on what I needed. It taught me so much from a very young age. And then going into you know my college years, I grew up um, in Oregon, and then I flew to San Diego in 1996, and I attended a small Christian college. And throughout the next three years of that college experience, I was given $110 a month to live on. And so obviously I was blessed with the dorm food. Praise God for dorm food, kind of. Um, so... Uh, I had, I had food to eat, but if anything extra from toiletries to clothing to going out or having a meal off campus or gas or school supplies, anything I needed, I had $110. But even in that season, that was quite a stretch just to live on for three years, $110 a month. But I remember knowing like I had to be obedient to the Lord because I want his blessing in his hand over my life. And so, you know, attending church in college, I would bring my $11 um, every month. Uh, as my tithe. And that was the first time in my college years where we actually had the opportunity to, the first time I heard about advancing the kingdom of God, because the tithe allows us to, you know, have the church day in and day out, but then they said, we want to expand the church, we want to grow, and so that's going to take an offering. And so I remember just sitting in church, you know, as a young person, and knowing that I was already in, always already in a stretch, but every time I had stretched, God had always come through in such a miraculous way. So when I felt the Lord say, I want you to give $10 on top of your $11 tithe, I knew I could trust him. And so every month I gave $21 of my $110, you know, in college, and he always came through for me. I never lacked anything. Those entire three years living away from home, I never was without because our God is so good and so faithful. Yeah, and so, and then from there, you know, I met uh, John, and we weren't obviously pastors at the time. I was a deputy probation officer, and he was in real estate, and we were attending the Rock Church, beautiful Rock Church in San Diego, down off Rosecrans, but it wasn't at Rosecrans at the time. We had a campus in Kearney Mesa, and we get, then had an opportunity to pledge because they were believing for the campus off of Rosecrans, and so we made a commitment to... Um, give into that building, that building project. But over the course of that year, we really felt God was calling us to come over to Awaken Church. And so even though we made the transition to Awaken Church, we actually still, we tithe and gave two offerings here, but we actually fulfilled our commitment um, over at the Rock Church because at the end of the day, we didn't commit necessarily to the Rock Church. We made a commitment to God and we wanted our yes to be yes and our no be no. And so I remember on opening Sunday, we took a little break from attending Awaken and we popped on over on opening Sunday just to be able to see like what God had done through everyone's faithful giving. It was people's faithful giving that allowed that church to be built where tens of thousands of people are surrendering their life to Jesus. It's just amazing and all the good work that they're doing there. You know, so again, it wasn't new to me being able to give to, um, you know, building projects to plant new churches, you know, to go into all the world and take dominion. And, and so then when we came to Awaken, I think it was like our second Sunday, we didn't know if Awaken had a building program or, or you know, um, vision builders or anything like that. But we just remember like right when we got here, we were like, we're, we're just going to sow a $10,000 offering. We're just going to give $10,000. And I remember just, you know, being young in our late 20s and just saying, the church at that time was 150 people. Like, that maybe be like, you guys. Maybe. In in Carmel Valley Middle School. And we walked into that Carmel Valley Middle School and we felt the presence of God. And we saw his power operating for the first time in our life. People were getting healed and like set free from demonic oppression. We were like, what is going on? All we knew, we felt God. And we knew something miraculous was happening. And, and so all we did, we're like, we, we just want to, so whatever we can do to help advance whatever is happening here, we're going to do. Um, and so that, that's the first thing we did when we came into you know, awaken church and how amazing at that time, at the one year mark, it was 150 people. And now we have tens of thousands of people across nine campuses, um, just hearing about the love of Jesus and having their lives transformed. It's, it's miraculous what God has done through faithful people to build his kingdom, you know, in the earth. 
And so, you know, with vision boards, we always say it's not equal giving, but it's equal sacrifice. Because when I was four, 10 cents was a big deal. And in college, my $10 was a big deal. And then attending The Rock, thousands of dollars was a big deal. And coming to Awaken Church, tens of thousands of dollars is a really big deal. But it's ever, I, I've never regretted one cent I sowed into the house of God. You know, and we, we, don't, we don't tell, we don't preach things and expect you guys to do it, and then we don't do it. So I just want to let you know, like, when I was talking to John this morning, and um, I was like, how much did we give last year? And he let me know, like, we basically sowed more in tithes and offerings than I make in an entire year. And well beyond that. So I was like, wow, I work full time for free. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I, yes, clap for me, Rachel. I, <laughs> but honestly, I would rather live on less and be blessed than keep everything and live under a curse like the Bible talks about. And we have been so, so very blessed. So I just want to touch on three things today, the who, the what, and the why of our giving. So the first thing, who's responsible to give? And so before we even talk about offerings, I first want to talk about the tithe. Like I said before, the tithe is our first 10% that belongs to the Lord. It's 10% of everything that comes into our hands says that's actually the Lord's. It belongs to him. And so God trusts us with little to see if we'll be faithful with little so he can trust us with much so we can give, give more. And so him giving us the 10% that he says belong to him is actually an act of our faithfulness if we're gonna actually give it back to him. And so God is, so, so tithing is actually a test of our faithfulness that actually results in blessing, but tithing really isn't considered generosity because we're just giving back to God what belongs to him. Generosity actually doesn't really start until you start to hit in, into the offerings, you know? And so this is why the Bible uses these, this type of language in the scripture because the tithe belongs to God and we either bring it or we steal it from him. And, and it's, it, this is the Bible, so, and I'm only helping you because again, this has helped me. This has saved our lives over and over and over again. Malachi 3, eight through 10 says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. The church has robbed me. Believers have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the scripture goes on and we'll pick up there in a moment. So again, we either bring our tithes and our offerings or we rob it from God. And then when we rob it and don't bring it, we live under a curse instead of blessing. So you'll hear people say, I'd rather live on 90% blessed than 100% cursed. You hear people say that. And this is the reason why. So we withhold from God what's rightfully his. We actually stifle the strength of the church um, in function in its fullest form. Because the tithe actually coming into the house of God, it says, so there'll be food in this house so the lights can stay on. So the, we actually have a building that people can come into. We have plumbing that, that, that works. So we have someone that can lead worship, that we have kids' church over there ministering to our kids, our junior high, our high school programs, so we can have awakened recovery, so we can have counseling and marriage counseling and pastoral care and all of the things that the church provides. It's because we're able to provide that because people bring in their tithe. that literally keeps the lights on and the doors open. So that's why when he talks about offerings, that's what actually then helps us advance and go get a new building that then will be sustained by the tithe. And so that's how God has orchestrated things and set things up. So before Jesus is about to predict his death and he tells his disciples in Matthew 16, 18, says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So Jesus says, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, so he says he's gonna build it and, and we know that God, God is God. God can do anything. God can supernaturally supply financial means from any resource necessary. He put a gold coin in a fish's mouth. He multiplied bread and, and he can do whatever he wants. The streets are made with gold up there in heaven, you guys. All he's gotta do is just 
chip off, you know, the corner of our old block there and knock down some gold and we could literally be, all of our needs could be met. I mean, God can do whatever he wants. He's supernatural. He's miraculous. He is our heavenly provider. However, God does not necessarily do that. It's God's plan and he actually set it up for us to financially support the mission of the church as believers. It's our responsibility to bring our tithes and our offerings. So God has entrusted the most important mission on planet earth to us, to advance his kingdom or not. He's asking us to partner with him with the mission to build his church, to make disciples, to set the captives free, to plunder hell and populate heaven. He entrusts us with the greatest mission on planet earth. So it is our responsibility as believers to bring our tithes and our offerings. That's what God's plan is. Now, going back to the scripture in Malachi, so not only can we stifle uh, the strength and the advancement of the church by withholding our tithes and offerings, this scripture tells us that we also shut up the windows of heaven over our life, that we actually shut down the pathway and the plan that God has to bless our lives and... It prevents us from having protection from the enemy who the Bible calls our devourer that wants to steal, to kill, and destroy our lives. John 10 says that. So Malachi 3, 10 through 11, picking up that verse. So he's talking about bringing all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be food in this house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not, once you give, once you bring your tithe, once you bring your offering, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. How amazing, how powerful. It is a powerful transaction when we trust the Lord and bring our tithes and offerings. It allows us to live under an open heaven and then pushes back the devourer who's trying to steal from our financial worlds. But when we don't bring our tithe and we don't bring our offering, that means the heavens are shut and the protection is gone for the enemy devouring us. It is a powerful thing. It's a powerful act of warfare against the devil every single time that we trust God and we give. And it is so important, not just, this is not just for big church. This is not just for big people. We need to teach our children these principles of tithing and trusting God and sowing into the kingdom. We need to teach our children how to bring their tithe and their offerings. Why? Because don't we as parents want our children to be blessed? Do we not want our children to be protected from the devourer? Absolutely. And our children are the future. We hear that said. But the child, our children are the future of the church. And the church is only one generation away from extinction if we don't teach these principles to our children. And so I want to encourage you as parents to partner with your kids. Talk together what you would give for, for vision builders. Have your children bring their tithe. Have them bring their offerings into the house of God. You know, we taught our boys when they were four and five about tithing and offerings. And so in order for them to be able to give anything, we had to give them something because they didn't have anything to give because they didn't have a job. <laughs> so we wanted to teach this principle. So we actually had to entrust them with something. And so we, um, you know, set up uh, this allowance where they didn't just, they didn't just get paid for helping because you help because you're a part of this house. But we paid them to read books and we paid them to do really extra above and beyond the normal chores that they should be doing because they are part of the household. So when we gave them their, their um, allowance, we said, okay, so now we got to set this aside. The first 10% belongs to the Lord. And then if you want to give an offering above your 10%, that's your choice because it's a free will offering. You can choose to do that if you like. And then this is the amount you're going to save because we want to be responsible and use wisdom. And then this is how much you get to spend. And so we did that. And my second son, Holton, was so pumped. He was all about it. He is my very generous child. He's always been generous with his words, with his with everything. That kid, he's so generous. So he was so pumped and he was setting aside his 10%. He gave an offering and he did all this. And, and so he brought his, uh, his tithe and his offering into the house of God. We gave him a little envelope, you know, and uh, so we gave it in kids' church. I kid you not. 
we're leaving kids' church, and he goes to use the restroom in the kids' bathroom. And he walks in, and there's an entire sink full of coins. Change. I mean, a lot of money. And he looks at me, and he looks at it, and he goes, Mom, God gave me all this money because I tithed. I'm like, oh, gosh. And I'm like, oh, oh, wisdom, wisdom. I was like, well, well, um, this is amazing. Uh, but let's, you know, yes, he wants to bless you, but let's make sure this money doesn't belong to somebody else because we don't want to steal. And so, um, so we asked around, and so what we decided to do, we were going to gather up all the change, and then we were going to keep it, and then they were going to keep it set aside for a, a, a certain period of time to see if anyone came back and asked about the change or claimed it. And if no one claims it, absolutely, it belongs to you now, Holton, because you found it. And so no one ever claimed the money. And so Holton was blessed the first time he ever tithed with a whole sink full of change. I'm like, thank you, God. Like, you just secured his generosity for years to come. So this was amazing. But then my firstborn son, he's not as generous as my secondborn son. And when we, before this Sunday, started to divide up his tithe and the savings, and he definitely wasn't going to give an offering. But when he saw some of his money being taken from his piggy bank, he lost his mind. He was crying and throwing a fit. He's like, why are you doing this to me, mom? It's my money. And I'm like, it's not your money. It was my money. And so, so then I was like, okay, fine. All right, well, I'm not going to make you tithe. I'm not going to force you to do it. But what I will do is illustrate Malachi 3, 8 through 10 for you. And so I said, all right, so God gives seed to the sower. And I said, if you are not going to be obedient to God and generous to God with your 10%, then mommy and daddy are going to shut up the windows of heaven over your life and stop giving you allowance. And that's exactly what we did. And so then he realized when, when the seed stopped coming, the seed was only going to come if he sowed. So when the next Sunday, after he experienced that Holton got a sink full of change, and then he realized the windows of heaven were going to be shut up over his life, he happily brought his 10% of his allowance, and he happily gives to this day as a 15-year-old because he has seen God's hand move in his life. So what an amazing illustration of Malachi 3, 8 through 10. And just as the windows opened over his life, once he began to give, that's exactly what the Bible talks about. And so it was just an amazing illustration that God gave, you know, my boys. And um, there was a time when my second son, my generous son was, I should say they're all generous because they all are generous now, but it's just, I'm helping you. Pay no attention to the blinking lights. Focus, focus. Look at my matching suit. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> um, so um, Holton was nine years old when he first decided to give to Vision Builders. So they had presented the opportunity in Kitch Church for them, you know, to, to make a pledge for the year over 12 months of an offering. And at that time, I don't think they told the parents, so that would have been good. But I, they, so he comes back and he shows me his pledge card. And, and Holton had written down um, $250. And he's nine. And I was like, wow, you're so generous. I'm like, are you going to get a job? Because you don't, you don't have a job. You don't, you don't make money. And, and I looked at John. I'm like, you know we're going to have to pay this off, right? <laughs> but my nine-year-old, over the course of those 12 months, he set aside his birthday money, his Christmas money, any allowance that he made. And I can't tell you how many miraculous things started to happen to my son over the course of those 12 months. It didn't happen to my other kids, it happened to my son that had pledged and made a commitment to the Lord. There was one time we were walking into a restaurant and he just held the door for an elderly woman. She was so touched at his chivalry that she just handed him $20. 
And he would, he would literally find money on the ground all the time. And again, he was the only one of our family that was finding money on the ground. He had an opportunity in third grade. He was selected to be able to be one of the people that would sell at their third grade market. And so my son worked very hard and he made all those rain balloon bracelets. Do you remember that? Rage, you know, quite a few. So he made all these bracelets and he dug up every old Pokemon card that he had and he set up shop at his third grade market. And within less than 45 minutes, he sold items for 25 cents and he made $86. In less than four, I have photos. He's so cute. He was hustling. Holton's amazing with an S. Pokemon cards and bracelets, 25 cents. You can go ahead and flip through the... The, he's hustling. He's, he is raking in those coins. And just show the next one. The entire 45 minutes, he was swarmed. He had asked his friend to help keep up because he couldn't keep up with the sales. Now, here's the situation. And he has colored hair because he paid 25 cents for someone else to spray his hair against his mother's wishes. But so this kid, out of like 40 different shops, at any given moment, he was swarmed with little customers. And nobody else was like that. He was literally living out. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy 28.8. And it's talking about when you're obedient to the Lord. It says, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all to which you set your hand. So it's literally when you, whatever you put your hand to, God will prosper. And he was experiencing that because he was obedient to the Lord. And I remember he was nearing the end of the 12 months and he was just shy to fulfill his $250 vision build commitment. And we were on a trip to Oregon visiting my family. And uh, one of my relatives had all the, my three kids, you know, close their eyes and hold out their hand. And she placed a, a bill in each of their hands. And, and she said, now kids, I don't get to see you very often. So I wanna make sure you have the best vacation of all time. She said, feel free to use it all for candy or buy a toy, whatever you want. I just want to bless you kids. And they opened their eyes and she had put a $50 bill in each of their hands. They had never received a $50 bill before in their lives. So they were so excited. And Holton just turns to me, he's like, mom, I can finish my vision builders. And he did. He set that $50 aside to finish his commitment he made to the Lord. And I wanna ask you something. While my other two kids were spending their $50 on the candy and the toys, do you think mom and dad let Holton go without? Absolutely not. We made sure that kid was able to get what he wanted on that vacation. He was lavish with gifts and with treats, and we would never withhold from him for sacrificing so much for the kingdom, which is another illustration of the beautiful scripture in Malachi 3, 8 through 10, that, that God is waiting and wanting to pour out blessing on his kids. And when we give, just like good moms and dads would bless their kid for doing that, that's exactly what our heavenly father does for us. Sometimes I think we need to have faith like a child, like the Bible talks about, where the fear hasn't set in, where the worry hasn't set in. And we actually just believe what God says. He says it. This isn't just for me. This isn't just for my kids. This is for every single one of us. When we activate his principles, we activate his promises for blessing and overflow in our lives. Amen? Amen. So the second thing I wanna talk about is what happens when we give. So not only do we get live under an open heaven, not only do we have his protection over our finances, but we also get to advance the kingdom of God and push back the kingdom of darkness. We actually play an active part in making sure the world is a better and a brighter place. Each and every one of us can play an active role in making sure our world gets brighter and lighter because everywhere the church goes, God's people go. 
right? And we are the light bearers, the truth carriers, and the hope of the world. So everywhere we go with the church, God's people go, and we are the light of the earth. Bible says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wherever the church goes, God's people go, and we light up this region. I truly believe as we continue to go. So do you think when we went into Bayho campus, this area got darker? No, it got lighter and it got brighter and there is hope in this region. What do you think is gonna happen when we go downtown? What do you think is gonna happen when we go to Coronado and Mission Valley and Escondido and Rancho Bernardo and Poway and Temecula and beyond? We are gonna light Southern California up for Jesus. It's not gonna get darker, it's going to get lighter. And we have the ability to ensure that that happens. It's so amazing. What an honor and what a privilege to be a part of one of the greatest moves of God in this region. My goodness. You know, I know it's, the weather's been a little here. What is with that, by the way? We all need to fast and pray. We have been robbed. We have been robbed. We pay California prices for California sun. We've been robbed. I rebuke you, devil. I'm mad about it. That's why I'm going to Cabo tomorrow. So I know San Diego is a desirable place to live because of the sun, S-U-N. But I truly believe Southern California will be the most desirable place to live because we glorify the sun, the S-O-N, and we'll be glory to his name. We are lighting up this region. This region is gonna turn around for righteousness and truth. As believers, we literally have control over how light our region is because we're the church. We have the responsibility to advance it, to be the light, to go into all of our worlds and preach the gospel, and then every person getting lit up one by one as they carry the light of Jesus on the inside of them, as we plant churches. We have direct control over how light this region is. But it's in our willingness to partner with God to fund the mission of the church, the greatest mission on the planet. What a blessing. And I would assume most of us in this room, if not all of us, under the sound of my voice, want the world to get brighter and not darker. We want the lies to be exposed by the truth, don't we? We want people to be set free from this spirit of confusion and the bondage of sin. We want morality and purity to flood the streets and fill our hearts. We all want that, but it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. There's been a lot going on with Target these last couple weeks, if you've been aware. Do you know Target's one of the most successful stores in the entire nation? And Target goes and has the ability to plant more Target stores in new regions because they're funded. We fund Target. We make Target flourish with our dollars. And Target has a mission, a dark agenda that is targeting our children with a demonic ideology that's literally destroying an entire generation of young people. Yet we fund that dark mission with our dollars. We advance the dark mission of Target when we sow our dollars into those storehouses. Are we sowing into the problem? Or are we sowing into the solution? And it comes with a sacrifice, doesn't it? But it's worth our sacrifice to sow our dollars to fund the mission of light and truth and righteousness instead of dark darkness and wickedness. You know, whenever I approach vision builders, I think a lot about my kids, all of our kids. Um, I think a lot about them and I think about what their future is going to be like when they're adults in this world. I think about what my kids' kids are going to look like. 
my grandchildren. And I sometimes wonder what kind of world they're going to grow up in, the kids that are not yet born. And if I'm being honest, like, sometimes that's a scary thought. But then I realize that I can't be in the future to protect them. However, we have the opportunity now to invest in the only chance we have to make the world a brighter place. And so that's enough for me. That's enough for me to sow offerings of great sacrifice each and every year, never holding back, never retreating, because I know I'm sowing into the only institution that will light up this dark world for my children and my children's children. I truly believe, I hope you do too, that we can leave our children in a better world than we're living in right now. Like, do you not feel it? Like, do you not sense that the kingdom of God is advancing, that revival is happening, that people are waking up to the truth? Like, I think the church's greatest days are still yet ahead. It's, it's, it's amazing what God is doing, and we get the privilege of being a part of it. Reason number three why do we give? Obviously, everything I've already mentioned, but I think we give. Why? One of the reasons why I give is because I need it. I need breakthrough. I need blessing. I need supernatural increase. I need the multiplication factor happening in my financial world. You know, sometimes, I don't know if Pastor John has shared this, but Sometimes doing everything in our own strength and in our own flesh isn't enough, and it's a lot of striving. I want the supernatural factor on our finances. I want to know that it's not just my husband's responsibility to provide, but it is also our Heavenly Father's responsibility to provide for us as he promised when we give, that we open up that hand of provision. So we make a joke about it, but I was dead serious. When John and I were dating, he was not a tither, and I told him. And some people think I'm just mean. I told him, I am not going to marry you unless you start tithing. Yeah, I was like, it was like my line in the sand. Because I needed a man that would trust God in the area of our finances. I know that so many marriages crumble under the weight of financial pressure. And I didn't want all of that financial burden and pressure to be on my husband and husband alone. I knew we were going to need the supernatural multiplication factor in favor flowing into our financial world to be able to do the impossible, to get breakthrough on things that we're believing for. So that is why that was my hard and fast line before I got married. And he happily did it. He says, and he makes a joke. He's like, oh, 10% for you, done. He's like, oh, so 20. <laughs> but, but that is why, because we are gonna need breakthrough. We're gonna need supernatural. We're gonna need his favor in our lives. You know, and the 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, now he who supplies seed to the sower. So you see that? He gives seed to the one who's sowing. He doesn't give you seed and then you sow. He supplies seed to the sower. It's opposite in the kingdom. You give and then it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It'll be poured back into your lap. And so many people are waiting for the big breakthrough before they give and it never comes because it's in the giving that the breakthrough comes. This is why this message can change your life. Like, do you believe me or are you just mad? <sighs> he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply, supernatural, the seed that you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God is so good. I want his supernatural increase on my natural Whenever John and I are in a season where we're believing for something or we need a breakthrough or we're believing for a new home, the first thing we do is pay off our vision builders. And then we usually put a little extra on top of it, like I said, to just whatever to the devil. So a naughty word came to my mind. I'm like, whoa. So I had to pause there. Sorry. I need to spend more time with Jesus. Um, 
So, but it's, it's, it's our natural response because God has shown himself so faithful to us over and over again. Anytime we give, he opens the windows of heaven. So it's not when we need something big, we have a, med- whatever, we sow first because we know we can't do it on our own. We need the multiplication supernatural favor over our lives. And I know I shared this story a few weeks ago in a tithe message, but I really wanna share it again. It's the story of the widow at Zarephath. It's a story in 1 Kings 17. It's a beautiful story, and I encourage you to read it, but I'm gonna paraphrase for the time that we have. So there was a famine in the land. There was no rain. Crops were drying up. There was no food being produced. The, the riverbanks were running dry. So it was lack of food and lack of water, and people were dying. It was a serious situation. And there was a man named Elijah, a man of God, a prophet of God, who carried the word of God. And so God was sustaining him during the famine because he carried the word of the Lord. It's almost like he was the church. <laughs> and so when this famine hit, the Lord told Elijah how to get to a brook that would provide him water where he could drink from. And the Bible says that the Lord commanded the ravens to bring him food. God used a scavenger bird, a bird that usually eats the car, anything that it can find. And God commanded a raven to bring food to Elijah in the morning and in the evening every day, the Bible says. And he was sustained from the brook and from the raven. And then when that brook started to dry up, the Lord told Elijah that he's commanded a widow, a widow that has no provision, a widow that doesn't have a husband, to supply her financial needs. He provi- he's commanded a widow to provide for you and told Elijah to go find the widow. So Elijah goes and find the widow and she's gathering sticks. And Elijah calls out to her and says, would you bring me a cup of water? I mean, the audacity. Asking a widow in a drought to bring the word of God the man of God water. And then as she's going, she's like, going to get the water. He's like, oh yeah, can you uh, bake a cake for me too? And she's just like, as the Lord my God lives. She said, I have enough flour and enough oil to bake one last cake. Me and my son are gonna eat it and then we're gonna die because it's the last of our supplies. And he says, woman, if you provide for me first, I promise that your flour and your oil will not run dry throughout the remainder of the famine. So now she's like, can I trust him when I have nothing left? Literally on the brink of death, giving her last to God, her only to God. And so the Bible says she obeyed and she gave him drink and she made him a cake. And then the Bible tells us that the oil and the flour in her home never ran dry throughout the rest of the famine. Every day she went to bake another cake and every day it was multiplication and supernatural increase. There was enough flour and oil for the day. It says her and her son and her whole household ate throughout the remainder of the famine. God could have done anything to provide for Elijah. He had just showed him where a little brook was. He had birds feeding him. He could have commanded another bird to feed him. He He could have asked him... He could have commanded someone that owns an inn that had plenty to go sustain him. He, God could have asked anybody, commanded anybody to, to give to the house of God first. But God wasn't worried about Elijah getting fed. He knew that Elijah didn't need the breakthrough. The widow needed the breakthrough. And it was in her giving to the house of God first that would unlock the multiplication and increase that would sustain her and her household for the remainder of the famine. That is why God chose someone who was in need and who was in lack because she needed the breakthrough and the breakthrough came in her giving to the house of God first. That is why I say whenever John and I are believing for something or need breakthrough, we always give first because we know when the giving will come our supernatural breakthrough. 
God is so faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just feel to say that this year after year, you guys, I feel like there's some people in this room, you hear these stories and you think, well, that's good for them. And you, you worry if that could ever be your story. This is the one area in the Bible where God says, test him. Oh, just try me. Just test me in this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. God wants his kids to prosper. He wants you to be blessed. The Bible says that God is the one that gives you power to get wealth. The Bible says that he will supply seed to the sower, that when you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken, and running over. We poured back into your lap. God wants to do these things for you. He wants you to have influence. He wants you to have increase. He wants you to have more than enough, the Bible says, so that you can take care of your own needs, but also give to every good work when it's presented. God wants to bless you. And I'll end with one last story that I hope encourages you. John and I have many, many stories around vision builders and the blessing and the increase, but this is one of my favorites. Um, if you know our story, again, we before we were in ministry, John was a, like I said, I was a probation officer. He was in commercial real estate. Uh, we had owned 13 properties in our late 20s. And... 2008 happened, the market crashed. We lost everything. We lost the 13 homes, and we were about to lose our own home. And he lost his job. Everything dried up. There was no real estate transactions happening. And I had just retired because I just had two babies in 12 months. And um, he was taking jobs, mostly sales jobs, just working 40, 50, 60 hours of work, taking side jobs to clean up job sites and making $20 an hour just to provide for his family and and it was in that season we were you know I was just volunteering at church I couldn't leave the kids so I could do some work you know with my kids at home and we were volunteering and John was volunteering and there came a, a point where Pastor Jurgen actually approached John and said we'd love to hire you at the church like we've seen your faithfulness with your serving and um, your giving and you just have a, a good heart and and the only job available at the time was uh, the events coordinator. And if you hear John tell this story, he says, he, he told Pastor Yergin, he said, isn't, isn't that a girl job? He says, normally, yes. But we think you'd be great. And then Pastor Yergin told him that it, it wasn't what he hoped he could pay him, but that the job came with a $40,000 salary for the year. We had a mortgage, two babies, car payments, food, gas, insurance, all the things. So obviously that was not going to supply all of our needs. But for some reason, we both had a piece about it. And we were just like, you're to take the job. We'll, we'll figure it out. And um, so then we calculated everything and we realized what was the bare minimum we could live with just to pay the basic necessities. And we realized we needed at least $24,000 for the year to survive. And, and so, it, but it was that time, we were in that season, he just took a job. We needed 24 more thousand dollars to survive. We didn't know how that was gonna come. And it was vision builders time at the church. And we both sat in a church service and Pastor Yurian said, why don't you guys pray and ask the Lord to give you like a number, you know, and then talk with your spouse if you're married or um, just really hear from the Lord because we want to hear from the Lord. We want a word from the Lord. We don't want to step out in pride and give some lofty number without any wisdom. We don't, we don't want to do that. And so John and I both prayed and we felt the Lord say to commit $6,000 of an offering. We're like, okay. All right, we both felt that that was God. So now we needed $30,000 just to survive. And, um, but we trusted God. And, and it was about, it was about three or four weeks later, I was opening up a letter um, that I had received in the mail. And it was a letter from the state of California. And it said, the state of California had decided to do random audits on people's taxes from several years prior. And they randomly chose one of our accounts from three years prior. And they realized that we overpaid $30,000. 
And so therefore we have sent you a $30,000 reimbursement check from the broke state of California. I mean, how amazing is God? Dude, was that a coincidence? Was it random? Absolutely not. We truly believe that us obeying God, obeying his word to take the job, to, to commit to vision builders, activated and unlocked the hand, the miraculous hand of God to choose our account to be randomly audited where they would find an heir in the exact amount we needed to sustain us for the entire year. And, and I'm not just telling you that God just sustained us with the $30,000. God abundantly above all we could ever hope more provided for us throughout that entire year. And that is the kind of God we serve. God knows what you need, but he's asking you to trust him first for he supplies everything. God is so faithful. So this is why, while I know coming into Sunday, I'm sweating a little more. I'm like, ah, we're talking about money. People get stressed out. But like, why we do this and why we're committed to this is because we're committed to you. We're committed to your break through. We want you to prosper. We want you to be blessed. We don't want you to fear. We don't want you to worry. We don't want you to strive and stress. When you trust God and use wisdom and you step out in faith, He will be faithful to you. He will be faithful to you. So for the next few weeks, as, as you're just preparing your heart and what God would have you give, Pray in faith, not fear, because God knows what you need and God knows what you're gonna need, but he's still gonna speak to you because it's his plan for us to fund the greatest mission on the planet, to build this church and to save Southern California for Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give God a huge shout of praise. Praying for so much breakthrough to happen in your lives. I trust God fully in this area. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.